We know that Pittsburgh's going to go out and get some type of quarterback, whether that's Ryan Tannehill, whether that's Russell Wilson, whether that's Justin Fields. Mike Tomlin's a big fan of Justin Fields. We'll keep that in mind during the offseason of the coming weeks. Adam Schefter, one of the Bears do with Justin Fields. We are going to get to quarterback carousel season. The Bills, of course, will not be in that. But Russell I, Wilson, Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill. I guess I wasn't assuming the Steelers would just be in that. But let them just run it back with Pickett and Rudolph, and they'll compete at training camp, and that's yeah. it. Good. Falcons are in for this, right? Somebody. Falcons are in. Raiders are in on somebody. Yep. The Broncos will need a guy. Yeah. Yeah. How many teams do you not know the starting quarterback for right now? Is it like four, five? Minnesota. New England. I mean, New, New England's probably going to draft one. It'll just be the rookie that they end up picking. Mm-hmm. But the, right, the Vikings, we don't know. We don't know the Falcons. We don't know the Broncos. We don't know the Raiders. Patriots. I guess Steelers. Chicago, we don't know either, but it's only between two guys. It's going to be Fields or Williams, I assume. Unless they trade down to two and take Drake May. Yeah. Oh, right, because there's reports Washington wants to trade up to one. Mm -hmm. Kingsbury knows Caleb Williams. And the report is also the Bears want a historic compensation package for the first pick. So Okay, good luck. Which they already did last year. Yes, they did. They did pretty well on that one. They got to just sit there and take the guy. Right. I'm, I'll, I'll get closer to the draft. Do you have a thought on Caleb Williams? Before we get back to the Bills and this 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 caboose we're going to add to the receiver train. Do you have a thought on Caleb Williams? I think I'm wanting to like him more and more because I'm hearing more and more criticism about how he is too much of a personality. Okay. Or there is that. The thing I wonder paints about. paints his fingernails or like whatever. Like this type of stupid nonsense. Right. That has nothing to do with the fact that the guy can make every throw on the field like a la Mahomes. That's the thing. Can make every throw on the field like Mahomes. Yesterday, there was... I saw Mina Kimes, Benjamin Solak, tweeting about Mahomes and writing about Mahomes. And the thing that he is... You want to be careful, I think, not to fall in love with the ridiculous upside of a Mahomes and an Allen. Mm -hmm. Because what they have to do more routinely than do the crazy stuff is play on schedule and be patient and take the defense, this and that, and just process everything, Mm -hmm. right? Allen played a really great game against the Chiefs because he just took what the defense was giving them, Uh, much to our chagrin. There were no explosive plays, but grading him out, he played well. Sometimes that's the game you have to play. Mm -hmm. And Mahomes against the Niners, what did he do? You'd say he did not have a great game until late. He averaged seven yards a throw. He threw for right. 330 by the time it was all said and done. And with Caleb Williams, you get a lot of highlights where he is in the pocket, scrambling, doing this and that. I've seen yeah. arm elasticity mentioned for Caleb yeah. Williams. Yeah. You know, and that's where you can throw it like Mahomes, like a shortstop. You sidearm. You do, you do anything you want out there. And he's got that improvisational stuff and in-the-pocket stuff. Yep. And there's a lot of value in that, in avoiding sacks, which is something Mahomes and Allen do better than any two. You pressure them, you don't get to them. And for Caleb Williams, that's going to entice a lot of people. But the question is, mm-hmm. will he do the rest of it? Can he do the rest of it? Mm-hmm. Spend five minutes watching Caleb Williams' highlights. It's a lot of off-schedule, crazy, wild stuff. Right. And you can't build, to make a whatever metaphor, you can't build the whole plane out of the wild stuff. Right. Because you know? I guess you do see Zach Wilson, who is 
all wild stuff. Yeah. Go watch it. Ian Hart had a video of, like, uh, last year, Zach Wilson, like, wild highlights, and it's just him trying to do, like, crazy stuff like that. And that's, like, all that he tries to do, and it doesn't usually work all that well. Yeah. But he had the athleticism kind of the same way. I I still think Williams is going to be – I want to believe that with the right coach, maybe maybe Chicago doesn't have the right coach, uh, that I can figure out the on-schedule stuff. And I can't teach. I can't teach the. He's going to scramble away from three guys from a sack, and he's going to make a throw that only two other guys in the world can make. Yeah, who's the best quarterback in the NFL right now with only the wild stuff? That only does the wild the, stuff. The, that's that's really Will what they, Levis. That's well, right. That's right. <laughs> because, Will Levis is that guy. Because if you think about the other guys that have been drafted for the the potential to do that. You know, Tua and Purdy catch a lot of flack for not having enough wild stuff. For yeah. not having enough. Yeah. And here's Purdy, a play from winning the Super Bowl because he's in the right system. And Tua, you don't have to love him, but he's about to get a big raise, and he led the league in passing. Yeah. So I, I understand the, the pull to that type of quarterback, to the, the the guy that can do everything. Stroud probably didn't get enough credit for doing that stuff. Yeah. And he can do it all. Yeah, but he's also he was scrambling away and making throws on the run all, down the field. Sure, all year. but he also does yeah. on schedule yep. really, really well. Yeah, so he does. it's interesting to see what the uh, the Bears will do. What they have now in Fields, they can't keep Fields because Fields is a guy that's insane. He doesn't do any of the on schedule stuff, and he's you only know? got one year left in his rookie deal. Why he's, would you not reset that clock? I know he's got he, he's got longest time to throw because he holds the ball. Yep. And, like it's just it's tough. It's tough. So I, I think the Bears probably move Fields, and we'll see where he goes. Quarterback carousel gets started. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. 803-0550. So, all right. Welcome to the wide receiver train, right? Mm-hmm. Choo-choo, baby. We're going. 72 days. Let's go. 72 days. I know that even though, you know, as we drive this train to get the Bills another explosive weapon or two for Josh Allen to help Josh Allen and lean all the way into Josh Allen, we probably have to talk about adding a defensive line caboose on this train, right? Or two defensive line cabooses. It's the it, we're not going to very go, back of the train. <laughs> we're not going to go full wide receiver and D line train. The, the receiver stuff is there. I got a couple of tweets yesterday from a listener, Michael, who asked, "Like, did that game change anything about how you feel?" Here are the Chiefs getting touchdowns from what. Marcus Valdez Scantling yeah. and Mikol Hardman, who was off the team. He was on the Jets. <laughs> and they brought him back and he caught the game winning touchdown. Yeah. Does that change the way you feel about Allen and receivers and investing big assets in receivers? And my answer was with the emphasis of Vince Carter jumping over a seven foot player and dunking, no. Mm-hmm. It does not change anything for me. What me I want, neither. what I need is the Bills to lean into Josh Allen. Instead of, you know, for two years it's been like, how do we how do we take pressure off of Allen? How do we do, how do we make him do less? And sure, a receiver that can make yards after the catch and win down the field, does that take away from Allen? Does that help Allen? Does that make Allen more whatever? There's a lot of different ways to say it. They need to lean into our quarterback as a freak show. Mm. He can throw it seventy yards down the field. Let's get a guy that can run seventy yards down the field and catch the ball. And let's get somebody that can win at all three levels, right? So vertical threat receiver that'll help on all three levels, mm-hmm. yak guys. They, they need multiple receivers. And the rest of the draft, fine. Go do your defense. Yeah. Because they do need 
They need a lot of contributors on the defensive line, especially if Von Miller is not going to give them anything. If he's going to look like he did at the second half of last year, let's say that happens. He, his knee is shot. He's 36 years old. It's not that crazy to think torn ACL at that age, and he's just never going to be the same. If that's true, I only got Greg Rousseau and Ed Oliver. That's my entire defensive line that I trust can make an impact next year. So they have to do something. I mean, they could just do, hey, let's sign a Leonard Floyd to $8 million a year. It could even be Leonard Floyd again. But they can't, they can't really do nothing at that position. It's kind of similar to receiver in that way. I feel like safety is different because that's a position that's not generally thought of as a premium position. You can replace that for cheap. Taylor App cost you $2 million bucks last year. Like, fine, that's fine. But they got to do defensive line in some way, shape, or form. I don't think they can avoid it. But I think the priority should still be behind receiver on that it is funny every year has has the deep line ever showed up in a way that's satisfactory in the game where the bills end up falling where the season ends because this year they didn't do much in the yeah. Bengal game it was pointed out that they couldn't do anything they were slipping and sliding all day they drafted Rousseau because they couldn't get near Mahomes in the AFC championship game a couple of years before that so it's it's going to be frustrating because they've already done so much on the defensive line. But you're left here with two guys. Like, they have to. There's just there's no way. I don't think there's any way around it that they've got to do it. But I just hope they don't do it in the first round. I'm going to be a mental wreck <laughs> heading into day two of the draft if they have drafted a defensive lineman in the first round again and I don't yet have the confirmation that they're going to pick the receiver. I'll, I'll be pretty confident that they would pick a receiver on that second day, but that whole morning and afternoon, I'll be in panic mode, and and what if they don't? On Vaughn, I was thinking about this yesterday. So not this past year where he was a complete non-factor coming off injury. Wasn't he the closest thing the Bills have had to a game record for that first half of two years ago? Yes. When they signed, right now that contract, we talk about it, and can they get out of it, and it's legal stuff, and blah, blah. The first eight games... They looked like they had exactly what they aimed to get, which was a defensive line that's going to rotate pieces, going to have some playmakers, and they have the big guy, the the guy to finish the games. Go go watch. Pull up Vaughn's highlights from his first year. Mm-hmm. It was eight sacks in half a season, and they were, were they all important? They were drive killers. They were game yeah. closers. There was a, there's a forced fumble against the Jets that gets the ball back, and it, they, they lose that game, but not he, because of like, – he was a massive difference maker. He did exactly yeah. what he was supposed to do, and then, of course, the ACL changes the course of that history, and we don't get to see if he can be that for a full year. And I'm not sitting here saying he would have beaten the Bengals single-handedly in that playoff game because everything went wrong, but that version of what this like, – to me – that eight games was the best this defense maybe ever was. Yeah. Because you had the sound secondary. You didn't even have Tredavious White. But you had things in place and it was working. And you had Vaughn wrecking games. The drive that the Chiefs had in the regular season meeting last season, last year, when Vaughn got, well, remember the pressure he made that forced Mahomes out and he threw the interception to Taron Johnson. The drive before that, I believe he got them off the field with the sack. 
He also pushed Kirk Cousins into that fourth and long before the Jefferson catch with the sack, which was at the end of that. I mean, he was great. He was great. But, man, I just... For a half a year. For a half a year. I, I, how could anyone think they're getting that back? Maybe maybe he'll be a player. He he couldn't do anything. It went from 100 to zero yeah. last year. I mean, there just wasn't anything. I, I would take him being 25% of what he was in those first eight games right now. Because he wasn't even... He was not 25% of what he was last no, year. No, he's like 4%. Yeah. I, I was Kingsley Jonathan. He was a healthy scratch at the end of the year. The division was still in play. Like, I know they were playing New England the week that he got scratched, but the season was still on the line. Had they clinched yet? They didn't clinch yet because they went no, week they 18. Clinched, yeah, they clinched in Miami. So they had not clinched a playoff spot yet. Well, they clinched and the week they, before, yeah. And he was... Or no, that day. Sorry. They clinched the, uh, the, the week Jaguar, of. The, the week Jaguar of. game, right? Yep, the week of. But they, Will Levis did it. Uh, or no, not Will Levis. The Titans, so Tannehill. Either way, Vaughn got scratched, a healthy scratch in a game where they had not locked up a playoff spot yet. That's how bad it was going. So I'm not that confident that it's going to look much better. I mean, how could it look worse, though? It's got to look somewhat better. But that dude's got a $23 million cap it. And when we talked to Mike Giannitti a couple weeks ago, he just kind of said, like, you can't really do anything with that. You don't want to, You do not want to push money into the future and commit to more years of Von Miller. You just got to sit there and take that cap hit this year, and that's that's the risk, right? I listen. Nobody was upset when they signed him. I I wasn't. Certainly wasn't. That risk was always there, right? Because of the age, I guess. If he was going to have an injury like that, this was possible that you'd get into year three of the contract and go, "Ooh, this is not going well at all." And now. You're prevented from doing other things because you needed to go sign Von Miller. I mean, if they hadn't didn't have Von Miller on the, the team right now, could they go sign Michael Pittman? Yes. That stinks. Or go sign a different defensive lineman? And that's not even mentioning the off-field issue. Right. Which, of course, still looms. I think it does. It hasn't been talked about anywhere since I guess the week that it happened, but that nine one one call is out there. So like that happened. I don't know if anything will come of it. The league I don't think got asked about it. Bean did and said that there's no update. Um so for now I'm just assuming he's gonna be under contract for them next year. And I don't think you can trust him to make an impact. So they've got to add defensive line. So is it can it can it not be a caboose though? Because that means it's on the train, doesn't doesn't it? It's the last car. Need like a sidecar. <laughs> One of those like things where the two workers like push the the, the handles up and down. That's yeah. the sidecar, right? That's what I need. Defensive line sidecar. Well, it's definitely there. Like when we talk, you know, receiver train and focus so much on it, it's because it's been a glaring need for three years. And there are definitely other needs. If somebody says, "Why do you want to receive the team needs a defensive lineman and overhaul?" I would say, like, "Yes, I went. We we know, we know." The first domino to fall this off season. We've got the combine coming up in less than two weeks now. And then free agency starts. Like, the Bills could re-sign guys. They could re-sign some of their own. Yeah. They don't have a lot of room to do it. The first dominoes to fall would probably be cap restructures. And then we wait to see what happens with Gabe Davis. I saw Ian Hart yeah. t- tweeting about him yesterday that Ian Rappaport – sorry, two Ians here in the same comment. Mm-hmm. Rappaport was talking about Davis as one of the highest 
most sought-after receivers on the market. Ian Hart is tweeting this. I wonder if Davis gets a shocking amount of money in free agency. Rappaport in early January called him one of the top wide receiver free agents available and one of the more underrated wide receivers in the league. That's Rappaport. Now, maybe he's, you know, helping out an agent by saying that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the UFA wide receiver class, Davis comes in at like ninth or 10th in terms right. of who's well, available. That's how we would look at it, right? I mean, you got Mike Evans and. Mike Evans, who, by the way, once called Gabe Davis the most underrated wide receiver in the league. <laughs> Is that sentiment out there for teams? Uh, maybe. I mean, we're, how many how many guys are above him? Evans is above him. Pittman's above him. Calvin Ridley's above him. Like, who would you rather have mm. as part of this offense? Are you sure Calvin Ridley's going to get more money than him? I wouldn't say that. I'm, you asked me who would rather have. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I would yeah. definitely rather have Calvin Ridley. Me too, me too. Mark, I, Mark, that's one, though, where I think teams might get weird and say, well, Ridley's inconsistent and Ridley, you know, off the field stuff, whereas Gabe Davis can block and is all about a pro's pro. Look what the Bills say about him in the workroom or in the in the weight room. Who, yeah. Who's more trustworthy, I guess, would be a thing that comes up there. Why Gabe Davis gets $14 million and Calvin Ridley gets 10 But I would rather have Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley gets open way more than that guy, than Gabe Davis does. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr. All ahead of him. Yep. yep. Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown would be ahead of him. How many more? The list might end there. What about, uh, about Darnell Mooney? Would Darnell Mooney be above him? Same territory. Is Jawan Jennings above him? <laughs> mm, I mean, he can throw. No. He can throw. He can throw. Yeah, he's he's it's it. He'll get a healthy contract somewhere. Yeah, he'll he'll get a raise. I mean, he'll get paid because if he doesn't, he's back here. Right. I, I wouldn't be sure about that. If he if his market just crashed and burned. If his market crashed and burned, what could the Bills even give him? The, the Bills are so strapped. What would they even like? What could Brandon Bean say? Like the what? What's the uh, the Kendrick Bourne contract that we talked about the other day? I mean, that might be one year, which is different, right? That is different. You do one year, four million for a guy like that, versus but, Davis might be like a three, four year deal. For it's worth anything. pointing out the Bills when Beasley left, it was we need you to pay, take a pay cut, and he instead just got released. Yeah. So think of how hardline their money would have been to Beasley for him to say. I need to seek a trade and then just outright let go because he wouldn't take that pay cut. Right. So with Davis, it, it might even be an insulting offer just because of the, the cap. They wouldn't want to make it just because. Right. Yeah. It, it might hey, be we where we can give you six million bucks. It might even be less. Yeah. It might be where his market value is twelve, and if his market crashes an, in a non-strapped year, the Bills could say like, "We'll give you eight. But in this current cap environment for the Bills, their answer is really like, I got like three and a half. Mm-hmm. And he can't take it. Well, also, they might they use a hockey phrase here. You don't want to block the prospect, right? Would they be, would Bean be thinking about this of, if we're going to invest our first round pick in a wide receiver, we need to make sure the guy is going to have snaps on the field. Because if they go out and pay Gabe Davis, the way they use him, how much is that rookie plan? Yeah, I mean, if the guy's amazing, you can't keep him off the field. But at that point, why do you have Gabe Davis? Because you're not taking Shakir off the field, are you? No, you're not. You're not taking Diggs off the field. So you can sign Davis's insurance back, but I just don't even see how that's worth it. No, if, even if his market is half what we think it is, because if the rookie's just good, I don't need him. 
I for anything. Think, and now I have him under contract for a multi-year deal when I'm just, I just don't need him at all. I just think Davis ultimately follows the path of others like him that the Bills loved and just said, like, we just can't do it. That's Harrison, 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 Harrison Phillips. Harrison Phillips. Yeah, we just him. can't do it. We're not just not in the cards. Edmonds, yeah, Edmonds, big money. Davis won't even be big, big. I don't think we'll see. Spot track has him thirteen point six. I don't think he gets thirteen, but you know, with the cap going up, you never know. Everybody gets paid more and more and more. Eight oh three oh five fifty. I've got a let's get stupid when we get back. If you want it, nice. Yes. There was a, and I'm saying it, stupid, crazy idea, on the. The strategy in overtime. So, hey, we do Let's Get Stupid. The worst overtime strategy you've ever heard. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Let's Get Stupid next. I'm convinced, folks. uh, That's pretty much the stupidest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) The stupidest thing you could have said. Are you an idiot? Yo, you don't even know what stupid is. It's about to get all stupid up in here. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Okay, let's get stupid. Jeremy and Joe, good morning, and Josh. So this is a spot where we're ready to talk about anything. There's no, there's no stupid ideas. Trading for McDavid. Yeah, I do have one about voting against your own players to make the Pro Bowl. Okay, but that's going to be another day. Okay. <laughs> Joe sent that one into us, listener. You can send us your ideas like, hey, talk about this. It might be ridiculous, but let's talk about it. Here's one. I sent this to Joe last night because I saw it on, uh, you know, Twitter, or people call it X these days. Uh, Ben Gretsch, he wrote about the overtime strategy. He was half kidding, Mm -hmm. but he he got a text. This is one of those, like, check the the text group. Mm Mm-hmm. The overtime discourse ending with you should receive the kickoff, deliberately turn it over on downs inside your opponent's one-yard line, and then either get a safety or stop them and get a field goal. So you so you, you get, drive down you, you, to the one. You get the ball first. You go all the way to their one. Yeah. Then you put the ball on the ground and say, like, you take it now. Instead yeah. of going in for the touchdown. You kneel it three times. Yeah. And then it's first and goal, first and ten for them at their own one. Yeah, backed up. A safety would win it. A safety wins the game because both teams have had a chance to possess. And if they stop them, right? Where's that punt going to be? That punt's going to be at midfield, and now I got to go fifteen yards to get into field goal range. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine? Mm. This is well, one they, where... They had first and goal. To, they've kneeled it twice. Here it's fourth. They're kneeling again. I'm going to test this one in Madden. I'm going to test this one in Madden. You go all the way to the I'm one? I'm going to report back. I'm going to get to the one-yard line. I'm going to kneel, 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 and then I'm going to see how it goes. And just get a stop. Get one stop. Well, there's two. I have two ways of winning, really. Yep. If I get the stop, I'm in... What are my odds? 90% to win the game if I stop them? Oh, yeah. And if I and I can get the safety and just win it right there. But if you do that, and then they come down and get a field goal, you're the biggest moron that's ever existed on well, yes, in football. Yes. Hence, let's get stupid. Exactly, yes. What yeah. about rather than kicking it off, you kick an onside kick? You could do that. Does that count as your possession, though? If you I don't are... Listen, there's probably a, there's so. a point... To, let, let's say you're the kicking team. Kicking onside would just be giving up... That field position, if yeah. you get the ball, that counts as that other team's possession. 
It does count. It does? Yes. Okay. Sal Even though they the- didn't really possess it. Yes. They might have never touched it. Doesn't matter. That's a turnover. If you do not okay. collect the kick, that's a turnover. Sal went over this yesterday. That is laid out in the rules. So, just if- electing to receive, and however that happens, that, that counts as your possession. Yes. Yeah. Or if I elect to kick and you're going to get the ball, yeah. I can kick onside. If I get that ball, your possession is gone. Right. But if you don't get the onside kick, the team that kicked doesn't – they still have their possession. That's right. Yeah. It's almost risk-free. I'm going to get the ball after this no matter what. Right. Imagine the Chiefs had come out and kicked onside. The <laughs> Niners would not have expected it. Well, and the, the way the players would have didn't know the rules, they would have been like, what's happening right now? Right. We have had, would have had no clue. We had a surprise onside kick in the Super Bowl with the Saints. Yeah. In overtime, if Andy Reid had kicked onside and they got that ball – it would have been talked about as the most brilliant coaching decision in NFL history. And it might be right. And the, and the Chiefs have it, and the Niners will not get a chance here. Yeah, A field goal can win it. Right. And you're getting a pretty good field position. The, uh, <laughs> I'm now imagining the Chiefs onside kick it. They don't get it. The Niners get it back, and because they don't know the rules, Kyle Juszczyk starts celebrating like they won the <laughs> Super Bowl. Like, that's it. That's, that was their possession, right? I think I like the onside kick idea a lot. Do you like it more than getting down to the one? A lot giving more. it away? Yes, yes. I mean, getting yeah. to the one and deciding not to take points seems not that right. That is a rule proposal that was mentioned, or maybe it was just an idea, when the Bills-Chiefs 13-second game happened, was you can either, what was it, you either decide you want the ball or you can pick where the ball goes. Right. And there was some debate of you might rather start on defense if the other team begins their possession at the one. It's really the same thing. Right. There was a bidding process. You bid on where you'll take the ball, and the team that bids the furthest back gets it. Yeah. Which would have been fun. And I think going back to those conversations, the conversation, it it tended to be like the 11-yard line is where you would say, go take that ball. I still like my my first-to-score touchdown race. Be so much more simultaneous chaotic. offense. Both teams, you have you have enough players. Both teams' offenses and both teams' defenses go to the uh, opposite twenty-five yard lines, which is where they start in college, right? Yep. You're going to go to opposite twenty-five yard lines. You're going to need another uh, set of officials, though. The only thing here, that's uh, the one thing. You're both on the count of ten. Go. Now you're in your two-minute drill. The first team, you unlimited set of downs. Whoever gets into the end zone first wins. No timeouts. No timeouts. Both defenses on the field, on opposing sides, both offenses on the field. I'm never going to run into each other because if they throw an interception, the game just ends right there. There's no returning it. There you go. And you got to get two cameras, Romo screaming (laughs) because things are happening. Yeah. Pure chaos. This has been Let's Get Stupid. I've got a quick note of history for you. Context. Of this day in history, or? No, just whatever. I I looked something up, and it might be surprising to a number of you. Okay. So, Alan Mahomes, it's not exactly a hot take, or people are pointing out, like, hey, this is the next Brady Manning. Brady did win three before Manning won one. Before he even went to one. That's right. Yep. So, hey, it's the new Brady Manning, and... Take heart, Bills fans. You've got you got Manning, and that's Brady. Yep. And even if, listen, a Bills fan right now, 
they're going to win six, you're going to win two. We would take it, right? Come on. Yes. You, we, yes, you, yes, you yes, would. Yes, you would take it. Yes, would take it. You would. Who cares how many they win? I get one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like more than one. Okay. How many times did Brady and Manning meet in the postseason? While Manning was with the Colts. The original Brady Manning. Colts Patriots. How many times did they play in the postseason? Was it like five or six? Three. They played three times. Mm-hmm. Were they all early? Pretty early. To give you to give you the the dates on this, they played three times when Peyton Manning was in Indy. Yeah. And once when he was in Denver. Yeah. He beat him in Denver. He did. Yeah. Brady and Manning met in the postseason four times. Mahomes and Allen are already on. They're already on three. Three. Yeah. The last time Manning and Brady met, hmm. Manning was thirty nine and Brady was thirty eight. For them to really truly, so, <laughs> they, can you imagine yeah. right now if if Mahomes and Allen did not meet in the playoffs again until they were thirty nine right, for ten more years? Yeah, we're gonna go a decade and they're not gonna see each other. Again. Brady and Manning played three times when Manning's with Indianapolis. He lost the first two, won the third one, went to the Super Bowl and won it, and they did not play again until Manning was thirty nine years old. Did he beat the Patriots on the way to the Super Bowl? He did. He did. Okay. They won that game in Indy. Okay, and then they went on to win, to beat the Bears. Okay. But that is 2007, 2000, the 2006 playoffs, this is the 2000, January of 2007, when they meet for the last time when it's New England and Indy? I mean, how much longer? Brady, Brady has got, Brady's got 12 years left in his Patriots career, and, and he has seen Manning's Colts for the last time in the playoffs. Yes. He does see Manning's Broncos, but he's seen the Colts yeah. the last time. They played luck twice. Right, so just right, to be, just one of those is the deflate game. Th- th- think about that. In the history of Tom Brady and Colts playoff quarterbacks, he played Manning three times and Luck twice. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Which two quarterbacks, you can find this, I started to look for it. Met the most? Yeah. What two quarterbacks have met the most? And how far are we from Allen and Mahomes breaking that record? How many times would they have to meet to break that record? Because the the reality is, while we might think this is like Brady-Manning, it could be far... Worse is one way to say it. It could be they meet seven times, ten times. Ten times? Imagine if they meet ten times. Ten Brady times. Brady and Manning met three times. Yeah. In the postseason with the Colts and the Patriots. Maybe that's a point, though, to say, like, it's you're just not – the it's random. Like, maybe it's, maybe it's real lucky that the Bills and Chiefs have met this much. It doesn't seem that way because they've been – there was that chart yesterday that was floating around about point differential in the last four years. And the Bills and the Chiefs are one and two. Like, they've been the two best teams regular season. So, it doesn't seem like a coincidence that they would meet in the playoffs all the time. But, maybe that is a coincidence. Maybe that's not normal. I mean, how many times well, it's did... Not, it's not normal to be in the AFC Championship game six consecutive years. That's also that's also. But the, the Patriots true. did do it nine in a row. Yeah. I mean, how many times did Kelly and Marino meet in the playoffs? They played in 95, they played in 92, they played in 90, and that's it, three. Three times. And I'm assuming that Marino and Kelly both played all those. Maybe I shouldn't. Reich played in some of those. Uh, and here's Allen and Mahomes with three, and they aren't yet 30. Yeah. Yeah, what would the record be for that? Did, like, Cutler and Rodgers meet each other? Is there going to be, like, some battle that you never uh, heard of? Because I, I, what I guess, five or six? For Manning and Brady, that's what it feels like. 
803-0550. See if you can find that. Most most ever. The, the matchup that happened the most. Anybody out there, if you know this is a trivia question, I, I'm trying to find it. What Can two it? quarterbacks have met in the postseason the most? Brady's got to be involved, right? Because he played he, so many. You would think. He, I bet he played someone more than Manning. How many times did he Brady? Play, how many times did he played Big Ben in the play, in the playoffs? Like that, I I, I want to. He played forever. Yeah. Look at all the playoff charts. There's like one with uh, playoff touchdowns where <laughs> Brady's up top with however many it is, and then like with less than half oh, is second place all time. Yeah. Brady's got 88. Montana's got 43 or something. 45. I mean, he played Mahomes twice. That's pretty incredible. He played, he played Manning Mah- three times and Mahomes twice. Yeah. Mahomes played Brady twice, has played Manning, or has played Allen three times. He played Eli Manning twice. Right. <laughs> he played Eli Manning twice. All this sets up for, are, are Mahomes and Allen going to meet the most of any quarterback tandem ever? You might want to place that bet today. Yeah. 803-0550. We'll do our best to find the answer to this, but it's wild to think that those two only met three times. 803-0550, Sabres head coach Don Granato. Your phone calls as well. Don's coming up at 8 o'clock here on WGR. Caller 5 right now wins a pair of tickets to see Dirks Bentley at Darien Lake, July 20th. Courtesy, tickets are courtesy of Live Nation. Good luck. Got a call here from uh, Bob in Arkansas. Don Granado coming up 8 o'clock. Hey, Bob, good morning. Hey, guys. How are you doing this morning? Good. Morning. Good. Good, good. Hey, thanks for having me on. I just uh, – so I went to the game, you know, the Chiefs-Bills uh, game several weeks back, obviously. And I tried watching the game when I got back home. You know, we drove back and I get back till Tuesday. And I was – it was too painful. I started watching it and I was like, I can't do it. So this weekend – had an opportunity to sit down. My wife was out of town. Kids were in bed. And I uh, watched the whole thing over again. You know, not the All-22, just the game. And it was interesting, you know. I mean, I guess the biggest thing that I saw is those two drops by Sherfield, how consequential those were. And I didn't really think about it until I watched the game. And I said, dang, you know, they cost us. It was the second out play of the first one, I think. We're up 10-3. And he drops that one long pass. And then we ended up punting after a third down a short pass, I think. And you know, the opportunity to go up 7-3 in that game, huge, you know, and just that catch would have made that big difference. And another big drop, I think it was in the fourth quarter, same thing. I think we punted after that. You know, the digs drop stunk. Um, I hated that long one, but, you know, the Sherfield ones were horrible. And I just think it's almost malpractice to have Sherfield on the field in that situation, which they had no choice. I get it. But uh, between that and then how badly they exploited A.J. Klein was pretty clear, too, to me, once I saw the game on uh, TV. But, Anyways, just want to get your thoughts. I know you guys got the wide receiver train bumping, and I'm fully on board. But, man, it, it really came very clear to me after sitting down and watching it again. Well, that's why they need multiple receivers, right? They need more than one. Yeah, they got to replace Sherfield, who's a free agent anyway. And got to replace can, Davis, who's a free agent. And Hardy could be cut and save money. Yep. Like, that's three guys off your wide receiver room. And can we be done with the days where – the immediate backup to your two outside receivers is on teamer. the team because of his special teams ability. Yeah, Kumaro and then Kumaro Sherfield. and then Sherfield, right. Yeah. Because that was not the case before that. No. Gabe Davis that was, was the backup, <laughs> and he was not ever playing special teams as a rookie. Yeah. 803 I have a very fast instant trivia that you, okay. you're, t- you're taking off after the segment, and I feel like you need to be here okay? because you are... Droughtology. Well, you're the Sabres sicko. Yeah. That 
remembers a lot of these things. I was trying to dig one up yesterday. Uh, Alex Ovechkin has more goals during the Sabres drought than any Sabre ever. Okay. That one might not be that surprising, though, because it's been a long time no, for him. It's a long drought. Uh, okay. Sabres and Kings coming up tonight. Okay. And we'll talk to Don Granado in a, a moment. We did this last week with the Dallas Stars, and I liked it, so we're going to do it again. Sabres-Kings crossovers during the Sabres drought. Defensemen. There are five. Defensemen. Five defensemen have played for both the Sabres and the Kings during right. the Sabres playoff I'm, drought. I'm going to need a ruling. Yeah. Nick Delorier played defense for the Kings, but not for the Sabres. So he doesn't count? No, he does not. Okay. Because he did play defense for the Kings. Uh, Braden McNabb. Yes. Axel Janssen Falby. No. No. What? He never played for the no, Sabres. I don't think he was a defenseman. He got claimed by the Sabres. But he never played. I thought he played. He didn't play. Or well, he if he did, he was, a, he was a forward, I think. What? Oh, I don't okay. know. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Rob, Robin, Robin Regeer doesn't matter. Robin Regeer yeah. is correct. I'll have to find this Falby gentleman. You'll never spell it right. Guy that played one game for the Sabres, even even if he got in. Um, and he's, lifted, he's listed as a left wing. That's what I thought. I thought he was a forward. No, um, I'm sorry. Sorry, that shoots left. Let me find more about this. Axel. Uh, he's a, he's there a was right an Axel on the Axel Sabre. Foley. Axel Foley. Axel Johnson Foley. Um, defenseman. How about Christian Erhoff? Correct. I thought he made his way to the Kings. He was good. Yes, he was. He's still getting paid by the Sabres for five more years. Uh, Remember when they could have just actually traded him and not feared the cap recapture penalty because he would have just played? Remember that? Right. And instead they just... The cap recapture penalty, which was what? Like a couple million bucks in a season where they probably finished dead last? I need to find what they finished the year they were afraid of the cap recapture penalty. Really glad they had that four million bucks to pay Connor Sherry. It might have been been a bigger hit than that, but the point is, like, yeah, it's not like they're whatever. Um... How many more are there? There's five total, and we have, what, three? Three more. There's three more. Okay. Defensemen to have played for the Sabres and the Kings in the Sabres playoff drought. Josh Georges. No. Never played for the Kings. Okay. Cody Franson. No. Okay. Drought defensemen. Are these early drought defensemen? Um, these are, yeah, two of these guys are not like, woe is us, this franchise is stuck in the mud, not yet. One of them, uh, funny enough, would have been Erhoff era-ish. Maybe both of them would have been. Jordan Leopold. No. Uh, there was a Erhoff sto- era-ish. There was a story that they went out to team. get this guy with a helicopter. Oh, Robin Regeer. Robin? He, said, he said Robin Regeer. Oh, you did? I didn't hear yeah. you say I'm sorry, I didn't hear you say Regeer. The helicopter. The Regeer helicopter. Did you say Regeer and I said yes and I just forgot to check it off my list? That could have happened too. I think so. Okay, sorry. Um uh, okay, so uh, was there's another like Airhoff era guy? This guy's a Sabres draft pick who started his career here, went a lot of different places, and was pretty good. Sabres draft pick went a lot of different places and was pretty good. He will be a future trivia question for having played. Oh. Andre Sakara. Correct. Sakara. Carolina, the Kings, the Oilers, the Stars. Wow. And then finally, the answer, uh, the last one is Kale Clegg. Never in a million years was I getting to Kale Clegg, so thank you for giving me that one. Yep. Kale Clegg played for both the Sabres and the uh, the Kings. Good times. Yeah. Clegg, 11 games appeared for with the Kings. 
Uh, 18 the year before that and four of the year. Okay, so he's played his most games with the Kings. I'm surprised it's not uh, it's not more than that. Yeah. There you go. There's instant trivia brought to you by the Farmer's Dog. All right. You're getting out of here. I'm getting out of here. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Yep. Sabres head coach Don Granado coming up. We'll chat with him about uh, the Owen Power news. Uh, he's out of lineup. And where the Sabres go from here, Granado had some pointed comments about his team's urgency in their latest loss. Uh, have a chance to, of course, get back on track tonight against the Kings. So Sabres head coach Don Granado when we return.